0: It's time for another retro throwback sidetrack bonus episode of The Hive Jive. This episode, titled A Dead Queen But New Chickens, originally aired on Patreon back on May 1st of 2020. Enjoy!
1: Hey, all you Hive Jive junkies out there, it's a time again. Join our hosts, John Swan and Ken Milam, for another bonus edition of The Hive Jive.
0: <laughs> well sir um you know since how on uh, monday's episode you were teasing everybody about uh these different things that you've been doing and whatnot um go ahead and, and fill them in you you started to mention the fact that you have a queen that they killed uh we didn't give any lead into what the hell that was all about but it was a colony that we had to requeen it was the meter box removal And they are a little bit more testy. They are a colony that came from the ground, and they've got a bit of an attitude. And you guys took the queen out, replaced it with one of these new Carniolan queens, one of the New World Carniolans, and they managed to get her out of that cage within two days. And then they murdered her. Yep,
1: murdered her. We found her in the bottom of the bottom of the the top bar.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Mhm. Yep. So that is something that can occur, especially if you've got a colony that is meaner or, or more aggressive. It can take them longer, especially if that aggression is coming truly from Africanized genetics. It can take them longer to accept a queen with a completely different pheromone signature, completely different genetic signature than what they are. And that's one of those things like, I was thinking that since how they had just come out of that meter box and they were fairly small... A lot of times a smaller colony is way easier to requeen than a bigger colony. And that's why I told you guys, because you had originally thought about waiting and doing it once they got a little bit more established. And I was like, no, 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 requeen them now, because it's going to be way easier to do it now than if you wait until they get bigger. Well, even now, they still murdered her.
1: Yep. There, there's, there was three queen cells in there yesterday. Now there's only two, because we took the lar- the smallest one out and she was in pretty big size larvae uh you know she was half inch long three-eighths of an inch long and that was a small cell the two big ones are they're a long ways along so uh yeah and Uh, the, you know, we were talking on, on the other episode, one on Monday, we were talking about the different colors of bees. These are little black monsters.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, so one of the ways that you can, can try to avoid this is if it depends on your type of queen cage. I know yours were not this, but just for everybody else's perspective If it's the wooden queen cage that has the corks in it and the candy in one side, you leave both corks in place, put it inside the colony, let it sit there for two to three days with the corks in place. That gives them time to start to get used to the pheromone before they can ever attempt to get her out of there. Then you take the cage back out, pull the cork out of the candy side, put it back in, and now they've got two to three days to chew through the candy to get to her. So that gives you a total of six days for them to get used to her and her pheromones to spread through the colony before they have access to her. Now, if you don't, the kind of cages that you got, they were the plastic queen cage that is made just for a queen. There's no attendance. There's no cork. Um, the way those cages are stored, the bees can't get to the candy because it's tipped down. But then once you put it into the colony, they immediately have access to that candy tube. What I will do is I will take a paper painter's tape, like the, the blue, and I say paper because... It's got just the old school uh, masking tape feel to it. It's not the new stuff that's like plastic and shiny or anything like that, it's not the frog tape, just old school basically masking tape. So you can use the tan or you can use the blue, but it needs to be that paper rough feel to it. And I will tear a little strip off. I fold it over the top of that candy tip and then push the edges down and then fold it over on itself so that it's stuck to the candy tube, but not really, you know, like covering up the queen cage itself. And then you take your hive tool and you either puncture a couple of tiny little holes in the tip where the candy is, or you put a tiny little slit in there where the candy is so they can get to the candy and they can smell it and taste it, but they can't literally get to it. They've got to eat that tape off there first. So they have to chew the tape off, which takes them a day or two to do that. And then they can chew through the candy. So you've you've sort of done the same concept of leaving the cork in there by closing it so that they can't fully get to the candy as quickly. And then they'll be able to go through and do a slower release. And it helps sometimes uh, make it to where they are more accepting of her. Now, if they're uber aggressive, I've actually put tape over it that they can't chew through. You know, like Gorilla tape. (laughs) So they can't get to it at all. And I put it in there for three or four days, then take it out, take the tape off and put it back in there. And, you know, that just, again, it prolongs that time that they've got to go through and uh, attempt to kind of get her out of there. But, yeah, that that actually surprised me because I was really thinking that with a smaller colony, they would have done just fine and would have accepted her just fine. But they didn't. They immediately started working on their own queen cells. And as soon as they could get her out of there, she was gone. They offed her.
1: Yep, they offed her and uh, they got her out of there. And and we found her in the bottom of the top bar because it was yep. that little nuke in uh little box. And Max says, there she is. She's laying right there, right, basically right lie. underneath the queen cage. <laughs> 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 they opened Pretty it cool. up. They got her out and they offed her and she fell straight down. <laughs> yep. But hey. uh, they have two queen cells in there. We're going to let those hatch and... And... uh Max has already got uh, some more queens coming. So he says, well, we'll let those do their thing. And we'll take those out and we'll put these in. And he says, but, Dad, we're going to try something. I says, well, we're going to try. He says, we're going to take them out about two to three days earlier and let them sit there for for several day for a couple of days, queenless. I'm sitting there. Well, that's what John told us to do. And you were busy and... I'm glad he don't listen to this. And, <laughs> and and so we took him out. You know, you told us to do him that evening. We took him out the next morning, and then we requeened her that evening. And he says, well, that's 12 hours. That ought to be enough. I, and then I find out he's doing an experiment because he's been reading this B-book, the hand guide that, for his apprenticeship, and he was wanting to do an experiment. I'm sitting there. You did an experiment on me and John's dollar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, I mean, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with doing the experiments because as you, as you learn and as you read, you know, and you get these theories and things, that's, that's one of the ways that you kind of grow as a beekeeper anyway, is you're like, well, I wonder if they do this when I do that. And if I do this, they do that. Then what happens if we do this? You know, that's okay so long as you're not playing, like if you just have one colony, don't experiment with your one colony. But if you've got three or four colonies, yeah, you can set one of them aside and experiment with it. Because worst case scenario, if you screw up and they die, then you can replace them or requeen them or do whatever you need to with one of the other three. So there's not necessarily anything wrong with experimentation, but there's so many variables in beekeeping for so many different reasons. And you have some colonies that are perfectly tame and docile and they could even be a bigger colony and you can put in that queen exactly like you did the other one and they may still get her out of there in two days but they just happily accept her like nothing's wrong and then you've got other colonies that like this one that's way smaller and way meaner and they still didn't accept her you know so it's just definitely a a kind of challenge in there but one of the things that can be done um, and again this is I don't know if he's actually ordered them and they're already on their way or not, but let's say that the queens are supposed to arrive, um, well, let's say they're supposed to arrive on Saturday or Sunday, right? If the queens are already in the mail and your colony is currently trying to raise queens, I would go in there and kill them all, take them all out of there. And this, this is where you get into that like experimentation factor, right? But what he's currently talking about is well, he's just going to let them go, and then once the queens come in, then he's going to come in there and he's going to take those queens out of there, right? Well, that's a good thought because you, if especially if it's your only colony, you don't want to assume that everything's going to be fine with the shipment, kill your queen, and then come to find out all the queens in the shipment show up dead, and then you've got a reorder, but they're out, and so now you're screwed because you have no queen to put back in that colony. So from that perspective, that is definitely what you should do. However, (laughs) since how I know for a fact these are in a top bar nuke, and there are two full-size top bars out there as well, I would go in there, and as soon as I saw that, like, if if I knew that I had queens or I'm going to have queens in three or four days, and they killed the queen that I put in there in lieu of raising their own, I would go through there and I would remove every single queen cell from there, and then... That's still, by that point, there should be no other eggs, no other larvae that should be at the right age to be able to turn into a queen. So they're gonna be queenless for four days before the new queen shows up, which is ample time for them to get over themselves. Now, if something goes terribly awry and the queens don't live because they, you know, UPS leaves them stuck in the airplane for 24 hours and they bake on the tarmac or something, well then, I can go take a frame or a bar from one of the other two top bars that has eggs and larva put it in there and they can continue trying to make their own queen but they're gonna do it from the genetic stock that I chose not from their own because they have no other choice at that point they've been queenless for four days there's no eggs there's no larva at the right age so they're either going to get this new queen that comes in alive or they're gonna get a bar of eggs and larvae from a colony and a queen that I like so that I know they've got better genetics. Those are the types of experiments that you can do if you've got plenty of bees and plenty of resources.
1: Okay, so so what we could do, uh, I think he told me they came, they're coming in the thirtieth. Today's the twenty fifth. We ought to give it till either tomorrow or Sunday. Then go in there and knock those two big queen cups out and let them sit for three to four days. Then put the queen. He's got some new carniolins coming. Well, that's, yeah,
0: yeah. you could do that. Okay, That's an entire week. Now they're, they're not going to go laying worker in a week. Um, yeah, they're not going to go laying worker in a week, but I I mean you, yeah, if you waited a couple of days and then went through and took them out of there, you know, that, that would work out. That would be fine. But it's, uh, I don't remember what I was going to (laughs) say,
1: but uh, you don't want them to sit over how long queenless so the the total
0: the total time frame if a colony truly goes queenless and there's not anything else there's no virgin queens or queen cells or anything that can give them that slight indication that there's hope it's usually about 26 to 28 days and that's when everything starts to tip and you'll start getting the laying workers Uh, that's kind of how much time they need for the pheromone to be completely gone to leave their system and for them to start invigorating their ovaries and developing their ovaries so that they can attempt to start laying those unfertilized eggs. And that's that's usually that 28 day period. So leaving them five days without a queen is not a problem, um, but I would go ahead and, and like you said, give them a couple more days. If those queen cells were not capped yet, then you've got time, right? If the queen cells were capped, then here's the, this is what I was gonna say that I forgot, but here's the other part that you could run into. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and leave those cells there, and then I've got this new queen that's going to come in in two or three days. Well, tomorrow that queen hatches from the virgin queen cell because you you knew it was capped, but you didn't know what day they capped it. So she comes out, and she's now running around the colony, and she's not as big and plump and voluptuous. So maybe you don't see her, and now you can't find her. And if you put the other queen in there, I guarantee you she will kill it or you'll never know which of the two queens truly survived the battle. So then you don't know if you really requeen them or not. And then you've got to go through, and you you, you start having this painstaking cycle of, well, where the hell's the queen at? i got to find the queen, and i got to be able to get her to get rid of her, you know? And then you get desperate, and you do something stupid, and then you possibly waste a $30 investment, and still wind up with shitty genetics, because they actually murdered your queen, and the other queen still took over. So... That's one of the reasons why I would opt to remove the queen cells if I knew I was requeening it anyway. I would opt to remove the queen cells before the virgin queen emerges. So if they're open queen cells when you looked at it, which they should be. They should have only been three days old at the time that they murdered no, the other they're queen. Oh, ca-
1: they're capped.
0: Oh, they're capped now?
1: Yeah, they're capped.
0: Were they capped when you put the queen
1: cell no, in there? No, there was no queens in there. No, the, we took the queen when we put the queen of the queen cage in there there was no queen cells in there because we took the queen the their queen out and pulled her head off and then put the new corneolin because we didn't want that africanized genetics in there anymore those me those bees were mean by the way they are a lot nicer yesterday than they were before i don't know why but <laughs> but we're uh probably
0: just you know singing kumbaya because they think I they know. got their own their new queen coming yeah um so how long did you leave the queen cage in the colony before checking it?
1: No, heck, we left it in there five or six, seven days. Seven days, guess what you told us to.
0: Okay. All right, so here, here's the deal. They probably had already started, like the day you killed that queen, they started on those emergency queen cells. So that would have been day one. And then by day two or three, when you put in that queen cage, They were looking at it from the perspective of, we've already started this new queen, so we're definitely not going to accept your queen. But you may not have noticed the signs of them enlarging the cells and starting to curve them and backfilling the royal jelly in there. And so then you put her in there and you leave her for seven days. Well, that's 10 days now. And so now those cells are capped, which means your virgin queen, especially if she has Africanized genetics, can hatch four days later. Yeah, now, yeah, well, the the size of the cell is, that's more of how long they had to develop and how long the bees had to draw it out, which means they started at the right age. But what you could wind up with, though, is now you're going to go through and you're going to, by the time those queens come in, you will already have a virgin queen in there. Um, Basically, what day did you uh, find her dead and find the cap queen cells? What day was that? How many days ago? Yesterday? Okay, so let's, let's assume that that was day 10. You have to probably hedge your bets and say maybe it was day 11. So then you've got 12, 13, and 14, so three days at the minimum before she emerges, five days at the maximum before she emerges, because the normal timeframe is supposed to be the 16th day, but we have learned that genetics can play a big role in that, And the higher Africanized genetics you have, that's one of the reasons they take over and they they can can spread as fast is because they emerge one to two days sooner than the regular European genetics. And that gives them the opportunity to murder all of the good genetics and allow theirs to take over. So it's an evolutionary trait that kind of helps them get a leg up in the game. Um, But yeah, so you're you're absolutely going to have a virgin queen in there before your queens arrive.
1: So we gonna need to go ahead and knock her, knock open them two cap, those two, up now, right now, and then when I we would. get okay, okay, that's what we're gonna do then. Okay, I'll tell Max. You still got plenty of uh, workers in there, though. Oh yes, we got plenty of workers, and we got brood like you wouldn't believe in there. Oh, okay. that good. The brood will
0: keep them satiated. You know, as long as there's larvae and brood in there, that will help them. Because the brood produces its own pheromone as well, that also tells them that there's brood, so there must be a queen, so we must be good. And there's larva, so there must be a queen, so we must be good. So that right there will buy you time as well. But yeah, I, I would go in there today or tomorrow and I would pull those queen cells out of there before they can hatch and uh, get rid of them. And then, and I, I wouldn't, I would literally rip them out of the colony. Because if you don't, if she's ready to come out of there and you just tear a hole in it, she's coming out.
1: <laughs> like yesterday, he's reading that book. At he he ripped, you know, opened the 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 queen cup, uh, queen cup up, pulled the larvae out, and then he reached in there and pulled the whole queen cup out of the brood out of out right. of the comb. I'm sitting there, wow, I never seen John do that, but okay, but that's
0: yeah. Well, I mean when it's a bigger queen cell like that i will grab a hold of the queen you can either use your hive tool or your hand i will grab a hold of the queen cell and i will pull the entire queen cell or cut the entire queen cell out of the colony and set it off to the side and then whatever you know examination i'm going to do if i want to know how far along the larva is or anything like that i will do that out of the colony i don't do it on the comb i rip the whole thing out of the comb then do my investigation and i put the comb back into the colony and part of that is because if they are right on the verge, like if they're ready to emerge, they just haven't fully chewed all the way through that yet. They can come out of there, man. And then and, and when they come out, especially if they're ready to come out, they come out of there and they go <laughs> and they take off running. So, you know, if you get them where they're, they're a little bit too early, then they're a little sluggish and they will be a little clumsy and they'll kind of come out and, and wobble around and stuff. But, but yeah, we've, we've been in situations before where, we got a colony right in the midst of like they had already swarmed and we got them right as all the queen cells were emerging and they were coming out of the damn queen cells quicker than we could get them out of the colony. And we were like grabbing them and throwing them into jars and trying to cut the cells out. And as you, like, if you damaged the tip of the cell that made it where it was open, she would come out of there and then you were chasing her across the comb, trying to catch her and get her put in a jar. And it was chaos. <laughs> so, I grab them and just pull them straight off the comb and, and then deal with them.
1: Okay, we'll do that as soon as I get to the house.
0: <laughs> but now again, for everybody listening, Ken has multiple colonies. So if this all goes to hell in a handbasket, he can always give them a bar with open larva and eggs from one of the good colonies and put in there and then let them raise their own queen and it will be a queen with the genetics of that other colony and that's going to be far better than you know what they're attempting to raise right now which is their water meter box uh genetics
1: (laughs) water meter box meaning in an underground meaning africanized
0: (laughs) meaning the devil (laughs) that's right anything that comes from the ground is the devil
1: (laughs) well that lives in the ground and
0: flies and stings anyway um yeah no that's uh that's that's definitely it's a fun experiment though but And again, there's nothing wrong with him going through and reading those books. That's part of the whole thing there. I've read all of them. You know, that's part of the master beekeeper course. When you start off on that apprentice level, they give you the books that they recommend that you go through and, and read and, and you take tests on them and you have to watch lectures from, you know, these esteemed people that are at the top of their league and the, these doctors and scientists and, you know, you get a wealth of information in there and a lot of things that you learn along the way are from experimentation or are from trial and error or are from well hell that was dumb don't do that again <laughs> you know <Yeah.
1: laughs> well you know you think I will want to raise more be or have more colonies you better start working on Max <laughs> Max wants to be Blake he says dad we can start we can start you know we can start taking that and we can take that and we can split them and we can split them and we can take." Uh, john says when you split you don't get as much honey yeah but we get more bees i'm sitting there uh-huh. okay I says, hey, we, we can make money with bees blah 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 i'm sitting there okay i see where we're going but uh, no not not with my bees <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you and I have had the conversation actually on the air before about how I don't want to be a commercial beekeeper. I don't want to be a migratory beekeeper. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. If, if that's what Max wants to do and Max wants to be more like Tim and, and be in it, literally he's raising bees to have bees to do pollination, but he's not trying to do honey. Or if he wants to do like, like uh, Blake and Blake is in it to actually raise bees to make honey— You know there's nothing wrong yeah there's nothing wrong with that you can go through and you can you can have a thousand colonies and put them on truck beds and truck them across texas or truck them across the country that's on you (laughs) i ain't helping with any of that
1: (laughs) it won't be on me it's well max but anyway uh and i don't know if he wants to do that or not he just talks about it but he's like i say he's he's learning more and more about it and he's he's getting so involved I'm tickled to death because, uh, you know, he came to me yesterday. He said, "Dad, we need to go do the, we need to go do the, uh, we need to go check all those those boxes, those colonies that you need to check. You wanted to check. Let's go do it tomorrow." And it was ninety something degrees. And I'm saying, I've been outside building a chicken house. Now I'm gonna have to put my suit on and get back in the sun. And yeah, it was hot yesterday. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, but um, but at the same token, though, that is one of the things, though, especially when you start getting up there with more and more colonies, when you've got one colony in your backyard, you're still kind of tied to a time frame, and you need to do things on a specific schedule, or at least in a vicinity of that schedule, but when you've got a lot of colonies, you've got to be able to stay on top of it and check them all, and, you know, that's kind of like in the, if you rewind, um, not really last year, but the year before, it was so insane We were having, you know, well, removal-wise, a minimum of one removal a day, seven days a week. Some of those removals could be done, if they were smaller ones and we could do them in an hour or two, we would stack a couple on top of each other. If they're big monstrosities, which a lot of them are, then you're looking at, you know, a four to six hour day doing the removal. Then you've got to get everything cleaned up. Then you take those out to the removal yard. You set them down. You check some of the removal colonies that are out there. Then you go to the main apiary and you touch a minimum of 10 hives so that by the end of the week, you will have looked at all the 50 hives out at the main apiary and hopefully made a dent in some of the removal hives on the removal yard. And that's seven days a week. You don't stop. And it doesn't matter if it's 110 degrees outside or if it's super windy or if it's, you know, this or that. You have to do it because it has to get done. And you know, so I, I spent months basically just living in my B suit. <laughs> so
1: Yeah, I know. Last year it was crazy.
0: Yeah, well last year, last year wasn't as bad. I redid some of the structure. We didn't do as many of the removals as well. Um we cut back on that. And so we weren't doing seven days a week. And that that actually helped a lot. And then we've tried, started kind of trying to restructure both the removal yard and the main apiary and and doing some other stuff to it. So it's kind of changing. And then here this year, when COVID hit and the quarantines and stay at home orders and all that other stuff hit, I actually put the removal business completely on hold and I didn't have to, it was deemed an essential service due to public health and safety. So I could be out there doing removals, but what we've been doing is we've been going through and talking to everybody that calls in and requests them and seeing how long have the bees been there? Are you just now noticing it because now you're permanently stuck at home? You know, or did they just move in? Where are they at? You know, if they've been there for a while and it just wasn't a problem, but now it's a problem because you're always at the house, things along these lines. But the other thing that, one of the main reasons that we're not doing it is because on a normal day, if we come to your house at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, all of your kids and your neighbor's kids are probably in school or off doing something the neighbors are all at work, you're potentially at work, so the amount, right, exactly, so the amount of people that are there that could be injured or be involved or be looky-loos that wanna see what's going on is drastically reduced. Well, now on the other hand, everybody's home, everybody's bored out of their mind, everybody wants to be outside because they're tired of being stuck in the house, and then everybody's gonna wanna see what's going on over across at Susie and Joe's house. So, and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to herd people and corral them over here. And, you know, like, it's just not, uh, not anything that I'm looking at. So we've gone and done a couple of emergency scenarios and that's it. And it's only because those were truly emergency scenarios. Everything else is like, well, if they've been there for three years, they'll be fine for two more months. <laughs> We'll come look at it once, you know, something has changed and, and things are on some other different level. Now, if things don't change and these, these stay at home orders and stuff and the the social distancing and everything stays that way, well, then we may have to reevaluate that. And we might, might start going and doing like one or two a week or something, but, um, it's not going to be the, the multiples a day, seven days a week. Like it has been in the past. That's for sure.
1: Yep. Sound like a winner to me. (laughs)
0: Did I tell you that um I'm supposed to be part of a TV series?
1: What TV series? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look at the guy they're doing in my a, suit. they're doing a TV series, uh a reality TV show based on bee removals. And uh they've reached out and they want me to be a part of at least one of the episodes. Like they told me that we've already got you written in there. Um the gentleman who came up with the idea, his main job is like video production and stuff. And he did this pilot episode and put it out there. And it got picked up by PBS and got picked up and is now being funded by a couple of things. And so now they're going through and shooting the first full season. And he warned me about a year and a half ago. He was like, you know, you're totally going to be a part of this. And I'm like, OK, well, then now he's actually calling me. And he's like, all right, so we need ideas. We need locations. Um, you know, we want to at least get you at least in one episode, if not a couple of them. You know, maybe have you come in reoccurring like we got to figure it out. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, now? Like, really? Like, right now? Because it's, I mean, you want us all walking around with masks on and nobody can stand close to each other. And, like, that's going to be a fun removal. Hey, you need to stay six feet away from me. By the way, hold this comb. (laughs) You know,
1: like. (laughs) And you got a mask and a face shield and a a screen. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So. I was like, well, I'll give you a call this week and we can discuss some of the ideas and stuff. But surely you guys are going to wait until like some of the social distancing has been uh, relaxed a little bit, aren't you? And he's like, well, I mean, if that if doesn't get relaxed and we have to do it this way, then that's how the times currently are. So I was like, yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got on that at the moment.
1: Well, and then, you know, I'm going to get into the barter business. I'm going to start bartering honey and eggs. Yeah, your new chickens. How are your chickens doing? Chickens are doing great. They're doing wonderful. In fact, uh, Karen got her first egg yesterday. <laughs> she had to come and so, show it to me.
0: Are they? They look like they were just the regular. um
1: are like Lydia, Lydia Brown's. They're oh Lydia, oh, Lydia Browns, Okay. Yeah, they're uh, they're and these came from California. The pullets. Uh, I got them at Callahan's, but they came from California. They have bought Callahan's has bought let's see in two and a half days they sold over a thousand hens uh pullets and and now there is no 72 week old hens or pullets in texas so now they're having to buy chickens out of california
0: yeah that i mean that makes sense because now everybody's like oh my god we have to like learn how to do homesteading and and we've got to go get these things and so they're they're buying the chickens that are old that will lay eggs quicker as opposed to getting a hen or a little chick that's going to take, you know, six months before it can actually start laying its first eggs. So, yeah. Um, I So, do these... Do they lay white eggs or brown eggs? Brown eggs. Yay! So, the, the first round of chickens... Well, actually, all the chickens that I ever had. I had a silver-laced Wyandotte. I had a uh, Barnafelder like a double-laced Barnafelder, I had two um, Easter Eggers, I had an Olive Egger, and then I had a crowed lynxian, and I had Samanis. And basically, my egg cartons were rainbows. <laughs> I, had, I had the, I didn't have any white eggs at all. I had the lightest, like, blue sky colored egg. And then I had like a a light green, kind of almost a pastel green. Then I had a dark green. I had a light brown. I had a dark brown. And then I had these ones that were kind of pinkish like a light brown with a pink kind of coating on them. And that came from the Crowed the lynxian. But it it was great because every day, you know, we would get at least four or five eggs and they would all be a different color. And so I would put them into the egg carton like little rainbows. <laughs> it was really cool.
1: And the yolk was still yellow and the egg was uh, white was still white.
0: Yeah, yeah. The egg white was still clear and the yolk was like a dark orange, actually. It was really, they were awesome. I loved having my chickens. I totally great. miss my chickens.
1: Yep, fresh eggs are great. You'll be getting some for long.
0: Woo-hoo! Yeah, I like the eggs, but I really enjoyed the chickens too, though. I mean, it was so much fun. They, they, like, they were a blast.
1: Yeah, these chickens are. They, they want to, when you're working on a house. they over there, what the hell are you doing there? They, all have a, they, they just kind of migrate over to you. I'm sitting there. These ain't like my chickens when we, we were on the farm. No, <laughs> the our chickens got away from you, but these oh. chickens are a lot different.
0: Yeah, no, my my chicks were all literally hand-raised from, um, there was a few of them that I bought that were, you know, like day-old or two-day-old chicks, basically, but the majority of all of mine, I actually hatched myself, so I, I had them, I handheld them, I raised them, I, I raised and bred some of them, and like they all were super tame and docile and I could walk in the backyard and call them and they would all come flocking over to me and if I sat down they'd hop up on my leg and they'd look around or I have one hop up on my shoulder and like they would climb up on top of my dog and sit on his head and, and like it was it was a blast they they were totally awesome totally tame that was before we got the bulldog though and the bulldog is uh not a fan of chickens like the my other dog Dante he was he basically had to go through the whole process when they were chicks. And so, you know, I made him lay down and I would put the little chicks on him and they would snuggle up in his fur and curl up with him and he would lay there and sleep with them. And so as they grew, he was there with them and he understood, okay, I'm not supposed to hurt these things. Well, then they became something that he was supposed to guard and protect and it just became part of his routine. Well, the bulldog didn't come into the picture until the chickens were already, you know, like a year or two old. And he was just like, get him, you know, and, and would just charge the, the coop the first time he saw it. And then the next time he saw it, there wasn't even any chickens down in the coop and he was still running back and forth across the front of that coop to the point of exhaustion. We had to literally tackle him to get him to the ground, to get him to stop. And I was like, well, that's not going to go over well. So when we moved to the new place, unfortunately the bulldog got to stay and the chickens had to go out to the farm. (laughs) So Yeah. But they they're all out at the um, one of the apiaries is actually out there on an organic farm and an organic chicken farm, and four of the the chickens are out there. And then I sold three of them and the coop, and then I gave two to a friend, and then uh, one of uh, one of the gentlemen that used to be a member of the club, the Travis County Club, got four of them. I think so. That's that's what I ended up, and that's been, gosh, that's been like two and a half years ago now that uh that we we moved locations and had to get rid of them but but yeah when i had them, man i loved them they were a blast
1: oh they're fun but uh yeah i can't wait till they start well we got an egg so i'm adding my wife had that for breakfast this morning (laughs) (laughs) first one it's mine uh, she'll get the first one but anyway that's fine
0: well cool well i'm glad that uh that you got the chickens and everything's going well
1: Oh, everything's going well everybody you know the only thing we got is that one beehive the top bar we're gonna fix work on it ever all the rest of the packages look wonderful uh that russians that uh, the queen died on or we requeened her and they're doing wonderful and uh uh all of them have got great brood patterns and i mean we're fixing to have a bunch of bees and in a couple of years, we can split some of those and have more bees, and and John will have to be out working bees at our place, and Max will have to be working bees <laughs> at our place, and and I'll be sitting there uh, counting money. That'd be my job. Uh-huh. That'll be your job. huh? Yeah.
0: <laughs> we'll see about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, another random bonus episode here. And uh, oh, by the way, Ken, um, last week's bonus episode that came out previously, we named it the biggest queen you ever seen (laughs) (laughs) as a reference to you talking about yourself and the, the swarm commander. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> so it was the biggest queen you ever
1: seen. Yeah. I mean, we got, uh, oh, I took the swarm commander out of the truck and they don't no- notice me near as much as they used to.
0: Well, as the, as the, the pheromone from the truck slowly starts to dissipate, that'll hopefully get better and better. Oh, for it's sure.
1: getting better. Yeah. They don't notice me near as like they used to now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I don't know what we'll call this one, but uh, here here's another one for you guys. Hopefully you enjoy and we will be back with everyone again, obviously next Thursday as well. So more content on the way for everybody. So stay tuned and look forward to that. And we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Um, I really should be more inclusive with that. That's just a country hick term of saying, guys, we appreciate every one of you out there in Patreon land. Thank you so much. And we will be talking with you soon until
1: then, be good. be good. let me tell you one more thing before we go. I found out what you <laughs> use what you use old blue jeans for old they gotta be blue jeans like Levi or wranglers. You cut them in strips, put them in your smoker, and they will stay lit for a long time because they're one hundred percent cotton and they smoke yeah, definitely. Well.
0: Definitely make sure they're old one hundred percent cotton denim jeans because otherwise they're gonna have plastic in them.
1: <laughs> Not the elastic ones, the old one hundred percent blue jeans. One hundred percent cotton because they are great. They stay lit forever.
0: That's what you do with all your old t shirts too. It cracks me up.
1: <laughs> oh my jeans. No, they are these are old Wranglers. So yeah, I've been yeah. They work great. <laughs> Just try it. Cut them in strips, but not the ones that are stretch type. The old jeans.
0: Nope. They got to be old jeans. They got to be 100% cotton. No, no 50-50 blends. No multi tri blends. They they've, they've got to be straight up cotton.
1: And they will stay lit for hours. It's the dangest thing <laughs> I ever seen. Uh, well, there you go. Something new for you guys to try. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you got? What are you smoking there? My blue jeans. What? <laughs> Is that something new? Just in my smoker. There you go. (laughs) Bye, family. (laughs) This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you, and we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.